morning, good afternoon, and so on. Good evening. Yesterday we had a, a Dharma talk by the uh, during the all day uh, retreat. Uh, I believe wasn't it? Excuse me. Titled uh, <clears throat> was it teaching from information? Yeah. So. Because we're always going to be doing any teaching at all. There's going to be some information. And that's good. And then send the title of today's talk is uh, Talking or Teaching from Realization. Quite a bit, quite a bit uh, uh, similar. But also difficult to actually point that out or say, well, this is what it is. If, if you, if you teach for information, this is this, but if you teach for realization, then it's some totally different thing. Not exactly. Uh, if it was that simple, we'd just start teaching from what we realize. And so one can teach from information. You can teach your whole life, uh, especially if it's a mundane project of how to cook, how to sew, how to how to paint something, how to play guitar and so on. Might be a little difficult to instill some kind of musical genius in someone that's not there. Not, that doesn't mean they couldn't learn to play extremely well through information and practice, of course, practice, practice. So the idea here that I want to point out uh, as insofar as I'm able to, and also uh, so that I can, uh, uh, we can have some good questions to, so we do this together. So you can ask the questions that'll help bring this out into the open a little bit more. So it's not quite so uh, arcane or hidden. Not easy to do that. So as I believe I talked about yesterday, we have simply, we have the, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, the, um, the Six Realms, the Three Realms, and so on, and uh, five skandhas, and we use those structures to help understand uh, what the nature of how what, how consciousness actually functions and works. What dependent origination is. This is uh, because there's such an incredible seduction right in front of us in all the six sense fields all the time. <laughs> the seduction is so powerful that it's just you could say it's kind of a default. Or it's much easier just to believe in that and disbelieve it. Well, that looks that's working well, but that's that's terrible. So, to immediately judge something based on uh, relative truth and and what we see is happening or we think is happening, and in order to advance this person or or protect, a lot of fear involved here. Uh, if someone is really afraid and is uh, covering up that fear, they won't even know they're afraid because. Relatively, you can be very successful at covering up fear. You can be very successful. You can do it with drugs. I got a few favorites. Uh, oh, I don't use those. Well, coffee, I guess I do use. What am I covering up with coffee? Let's get down to Let's talk about this guy. What are you covering up? Everybody's covering up something. But it's not about stopping that. It's not about not covering it up. I say this over and over in so many ways. It's about being aware of it. Then there's respect for dependent origination. Because if you try to use a strategy to do it, including meditation, you, you might be relatively successful for 30 years in covering that up and feeling like a pretty good, pretty clear, pretty pretty on top of things meditator. 
pretty much know who I am, know who everybody else is, quite ready to tell you about it. But realization may be shunted away or pushed away or kept down or covered up. So teaching out of relative uh, truths or out of information is very simple. We proceed along and we teach and we realize as we're going that we're talking about a transcendent path, a spiritual path, not just a mundane path. That being said, the mundane path is very important. We need to have we need to have meditation. We need to have the instruction. We need to have uh, uh, the, the common uh, uh, um, structure that we I talk about all the time and has talked about long before I got here is the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, a teaching a person who can teach not just information. If they're teaching information, they're probably going to get upset with you because they can't control you. Or you might get upset with them because the teacher with the agenda of trying to help you is trying to apply this teaching to you. The teaching may be true, uh, your difficulty relatively, and the teaching and the student may ha be having relative difficulties, but the teaching person, he, she, they, who step into your karma and try to correct you based on their relative understanding of what is happening to you, they may help you might not help you. You need to liberate yourself. The teaching person, I don't care how much they talk about direct pointing and all of this, uh, you have to do it. Might wanna to listen to the teacher, might wanna study the teaching, might wanna to relate to the Sangha, especially those, those parts of the Sangha called human beings that you don't like, or that you have aversion to, or that you think are wrong, or not a very good Sangha member, however you wanna characterize it. So teaching out of information, as I talked about yesterday, is not so easy because you still have to know all of that. You have to understand it. You have to understand uh, the six realms and how those function. You have to understand the five skandhas, or form, feeling, perception, uh, memory, concept, and conscious. You have to understand that so that you can talk about it and you can help others. And you understand that by, of course, by apply, uh, applying that to yourself and to your own life and to others. And so the basic truth uh, the Buddha is pointing at is everything is dependently risen. There is no individual being or self here in the skandhas, and there is no individual being or otherness out there. It just looks intensely like that. And it's, it's uh, what? Self-confirming. It confirms itself over and over and over. It's called samsara. It's circular. You only see the part of the circle you're on. If you see an entire circle, um, might be a different situation that is happening with you. So everybody that is teaching out of relative truth, out of the simply put, just say the, the the three poisons, passion, I want it, I should have it, I need to get that, I need more of that. It could show up as greed or lust or just a, a soft desire for something else. It would be very soft. It doesn't have to be intense. And it is not about, I'll start before I even talk about the other two, it's not about, to get, about getting rid of anything. You try to get rid of something, what's happening there, that's one of the, the modalities that the self-centeredness, the ego operates under in order to preserve itself. Because it, if, it, if it, when the ego mind begins to sense it's on a spiritual path and there's nothing at the end of that except 
uh, oblivion from the point of view of this relative contraption we call me, me and my stuff, my ideas and what I should do and what they're saying about me, what they shouldn't say. And why are they, why are they treating me that way? Like I said about my uh, Zen master, why is he treating me that way? That was painful. It was the kindest thing he could ever have done for me at exactly that time. <clears throat> so the relative situation when we get into questions, so I'm happy to respond to any part of this uh, as far as I'm able. But the ultimate situation, you're not teaching out of information. What are you teaching out of? What, what am I teaching out of? What is a, what is a, a realized being? If they're functioning as a teacher, are they teaching out of a credential? Are they teaching out? Well, look, you have to believe what I'm saying, because look, I'm a transmitted priest. Whoop-de-doo. Some people function that way. I'm seeing myself in that down there, and I'm very, very vain. I don't want to look like a bad transmitted priest. It was off balance. So to, to teach out of realization is to not know what the hell is going on, who you are, what you're doing, and you always teach out of what it shows up in front of you as apparent otherness that you know you're not separate from. So I sometimes say to all of you, ask me the questions. I can't wait to hear what I have to say about that. That's because I don't carry a, a backpack of information. This doesn't mean I won't be getting ready to give a talk on something and forget what the three natures are and think, which, what were those? See, there was the, that one. I can't remember that one. You know, I'm not saying that I might not go in and remind myself, <clears throat> but it, it is not teaching out of information. It is you're, 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 you're looking at someone. One of the ways that I do this is I look at you and then I ask myself a question or wait for you to ask me one. Sometimes we just have question and answer which might make for a better Dharma talk or presentation or communication than me just thinking, well, maybe I should talk about anger. You know, that's a big problem. <laughs> maybe I should talk, talk about uh, what you're putting into your system. I don't mean necessarily just food. I mean, what you're reading. So the sense of talking out of realization uh, means that you're talking out of what you see. You don't really know anything. And it's not that you don't, you can't think about it and say, well, let's see, what were those? Oh, let's see, form, feeling, oh, perception, concept, thinking, and then, oh, those other six become the stormtroopers. They come out of the netherworld and try to convince you, you better run, you better join, you better fall asleep, you better, you better, you should, you shouldn't, you should. Yeah, you should. No, you shouldn't. But what did they say about what I what I was saying, about what they were thinking, about what he was saying, about what I was thinking? This is some, may sound a little stupid, but it's true. We actually think about what other people are thinking and what we're thinking. We actually have conversations like that. <clears throat> well, I don't want you to think that I think that what you're thinking is not the way that what I'm thinking. We've had that conversation, haven't we? I always have that one confused. I'm just completely confused. He's still smiling, so I guess he hasn't <laughs> left yet. 
So as a Dharma teacher, I can only teach to, uh, I'm teaching this way to a whole group of people, and I'm just being somewhat generic about it. But if you meet with me privately, and I'm not recommending it, I would say keep your distance. But if you meet with me privately, I'm going to teach directly to you. And I can't help it. It's not something I decide. It's something what you are. It's something you are. And as you've heard me say before, I'll say it again. I just said it a minute ago. Don't, don't come this way unless you want this. If you don't want this or you think this is a, well, that teacher is saying this, saying that, or do whatever you want to do with my blessing if you need it. But if you come this way, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't soft pedal anything. I don't have, I have no say so over anything. I have no control over anything. And this is why the ego mind, even though someone has been a teacher for, taught the Dharma for 20 years or 30 years or whatever, if they're teaching out of what they've learned or out of, out of the relative situation uh, and they, they have not realized their true nature, at some point things are going to get a little bit shaky and they're going to either, they might continue to teach and they might just stop. Just I can't do this anymore because I really am not realized. I have not realized this. So teaching out of realization, I should say a little bit more about it since I asked for some questions. Is you, you really don't have anything to say. But you see people suffer, you know that how, how difficult it is, has been for you. And you feel like if they could just understand a little bit of who they are, that might be helpful to them. So then, therefore, with their permission, you proceed to teach them. But it's not exactly the way the Zen tradition, ancient uh, classical Zen tradition operates, although I had one of those teachers, and it's not the way the Tibetan tradition operates. So I had one of those teachers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like either one of them nor am I different. I'm not like either one of them, nor am I different. Any questions? Sir? Cheers, I'm bowing. If you were to teach out of realization, does the information change? Yes, it may, depending on if you're, especially if you're teaching to an individual. Yes, it could change relative to how that person might understand what it is you are endeavoring to point to. So I might yell at you in private, but I might be very sweet to you in public. I also might be very sweet to you in private and yell at you in public. You've seen me do that, probably to you. So it's not, as I sometimes say, I'm not here to be, uh, to be friends. I don't need your friendship. You really don't need mine either. Plenty of friends that are a lot nicer than I am. But if you need this kind of a friend, it's kind of classically called a Kalyanamitra or a companion in the virtue. This means you're with somebody that you're separated from, but you're fundamentally not separate and you proceed. And if one person is functioning as a teacher, the other person is functioning as a student. And that's dependently risen to it. Jeez, I'm buying, you teach very situationally and the um, concepts you teach can, can shift very quickly. 
when we're receiving your teachings, um, traditionally, you just we would receive information and store information and say, I have that information now. Is there a way to receive teachings that are intended to be situational? Say more. I've just I've seen you teach one thing and then maybe even the next day teach the opposite. So if I were in college, that would be a problem because I need to know what the right teaching is. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering when you are teaching situationally, meaning it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the truth always. How do we work with or receive a situational teaching? Okay, so you just described it. You what you would do in college is you get out of there. Or you think of this is this isn't getting anywhere. This is there's a consistent scientific proof for this or this or this. And to some extent that shows up in the in the Dharma and the Sangha, but there are different schools who think of emptiness differently. That's an ultimate uh, kind of teaching of the Buddha's Dharma. And there are people who interpret that differently. So there's still warfare of some kind. Paraphrase yourself, even though I've already done it once. I have been teaching. How would you recommend uh, us as students listening to or receiving your teachings? Gotcha. Just receive, just listen, don't conclude. When you hear something, I don't care how much gravitas it has, it's this is this. No, it doesn't. You already know that, you're already grinning at me. You know what I'm saying? What, what is that? What is, sometimes you say something that's, it is um, visceral. Yeah, it's, it's visceral because you are attached to relative truth. You don't know it until somebody comes up who is not attached, who's not ignoring relative truth, but is not attached to it. Uh, the way a uh, trunk burn with Jay would say it, which is a very kind of shocking way to say it, but listening to me, uh, he would say, listening to me is like listening to a dead man. He wasn't saying he was dead. He was just saying that he was not alive in the conventional sense of, of giving a damn whether he was alive or not. Kind of showed that up as he went along, but also not, not, not rejecting it, not clinging to it, not doing anything with it. This is a, uh, you could call this liberation might not feel like you, what you thought liberation would be like. <laughs> it might be quite disappointing. But you, you, the other word that he often uses is uh, um, um, authentic presence. It's all, you're authentically present. So firewood can't become mash because firewood is authentically present. Is there a way as students we can practice communicating with the situation instead of at the situation? And as much as you can, just receive and not only receive what's out here, what the teacher says, but also receive your reaction to the teacher or to the, to the teaching or to anyone without complicating it further with more uh, rotation around that, trying to find the right angle, the right, just receive whatever shows up. It's yours, no matter how good it smells, no matter how bad it smells, it's just received. And so what's difficult is about that is uh, going back to your example, if the, if the teacher says one thing one day and the next thing the next, the next day, which is what you were characterizing, just receive that. You're actually, you, you're, you're getting pointing out instruction. You're, yes, the, the teaching person, he or she is showing you what it is by living it. Then that doesn't mean you can't sit and talk about uh, how to peel vegetables and then go from that to uh, talking about 
you know, gossiping about somebody. Not exactly gossip if you're talking to the teacher. The teacher might be listening to you. Shoto. You're teaching at a realization that's not necessarily about a realization of our true nature. Repeat that. Is there teaching at a realization? Stop. What's that? What's that part of the question? Is there what? Just say that part. Is there teaching out of realization? Yes. Now, what's the next part of the question? Go ahead. That is not a realization of our true nature. No. <laughs> now ask me the whole thing is there teaching out of realization that's not from a realization of our true nature yes and no if you change that a little bit i can go to yes if you change it a little bit i can go to no it's always it's, it's dependently arisen all i have to do, do is look at the dependent origination and don't fight with it the difficulty of that is, is if there's any any shred of me, 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 the narcissism that's worried about right being right, worried about being wrong, then you'll get worried about what's going to come out of your mouth next. Because what if I'm wrong? Well, go ahead. If we haven't realized our true nature, is any teaching from information? Yes, all of it. All of it's from information. Study the information. If you're living in this monastery, I haven't noticed anybody who's light coming out of their ears yet. But if you're studying information, study whatever, since you have a connection with this teacher, uh, then study, study what this teacher is presenting. Don't, don't read something else, not that there isn't valuable stuff somewhere else. But it just makes it complicated because it comes through the personality of the person who's teaching. Kobanchino Roshi, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche were two very much, very different teaching styles. I played guitar at your house yesterday for a little bit. Sounded pretty good. Did you hear it? No, she wasn't there. And you asked me some questions about what I was doing. I did. And did it seem nosy? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't have like a conceptual understanding of what you were asking me about and I was wondering if the responses I had from experience of playing guitar was still a kind of information yeah, yeah. it's information I was asking you about the the beat of that I was asking you about that and I was asking you about the so-called melody and that other area that seemed to be kind of not sure if it was a if it was some kind of solid platform and or some something moving back and forth there it was very good and something you were inventing it was, it was good not a compliment just a description it was interesting to listen to more question kevin bowing everyone here kevin and then i'll come to you next go ahead Junchu. bowing sometimes people will use the language of um, internalizing information or integrating it they have maybe yeah. a deeper understanding of that how is that different from teaching out of realization 
don't really internalize anything. You don't you don't do anything with it. Uh, you, it may show up that way where you might look back and say maybe maybe that happened, but you're not particularly trying to internalize something or make yourself one with everything or have some kind of activity that you know, change your conceptual structure so that you begin to realize that you're not separate from anything, even though that is a teaching, not separate. But how do I, the way I teach that is look at the separations. Don't look at some kind of imaginary, not separate thing, some kind of idealization of it. Even though that's taught in the, some of the sutras are very idealistic. They just go on and on and on. If you need that, you'll go there. More? Kevin. Kevin Bowing. Um, speaking of Trungpa Rinpoche, I remember hearing or reading somewhere that he was once asked who the most compassionate person that ever lived was. And he said, Hitler. Is that an example of teaching without conveying information, bowing? Uh, do you know what the situation was? Kevin Bowie, I think it was just a, a Q&A after one of his lectures and somebody was trying to uh, understand compassion and ha had asked him who, who the most compassionate person ever was. So he, you know, I have no idea. I was not there. I would have to actually hear him say that and in the situation he was in. But he also, uh, as many teachers do, taught situationally. He even said once, someone, someone asked him, well, now that your guru is gone, who is your guru? And he said, situations. So it's very possible. He's just going to the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, it's like he would be the least, the most evil, terrible person who's burning people. So what was the, the follow-up question? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'd have to try to find it again. I guess... I guess uh, my question then is in a situation, I mean, who knows what he was doing or thought about that, obviously, but, and I could, I could see how it was maybe in an attempt to thwart the preconception about compassion or what have you. But, but the question is, uh, so in, in the case where the, the teaching is not informational, in terms of something to learn as uh, or write down as Chiazan was characterizing it, is my reaction, my emotional reaction, then the teaching? What was the reaction? Well, my reaction hearing that is to like recoil or to feel like somebody's gonna get in trouble or wanted to defend or justify or contextualize or make sense of a crazy answer. Yeah. Sounds right to me. Didn't you? A question from Robert Sontag. Yes. Is there a texture to counter intuition? A texture to counter intuition. You mean to go against it or to encounter it? He didn't say "and," did he? To counter texture to counter to go again. 
Uh, <laughs> damn it, Robert. <laughs> if I could see the expression on your face, I'd make people to tell. I wouldn't be able to see with these miniature screens. I, I'm not fundamentally following what it is that you want to know with that question. If you could possibly rephrase that so I can get a better idea of what you are asking about, that would be good. You're going, go ahead, you. Should we be cautious of the input to our system? Should we be what? Cautious about the inputs to our system? I wouldn't say cautious, but just observe that. Just watch what, what's coming in, watch what you're reading, watch, watch what you're bringing in. Well, don't do anything with it. I'm not saying don't listen uh, to something or don't hang out with somebody necessarily, but just be really aware of that. And then any caution, if you want to use that word that needs to come up, will, will be more uh, aligned with all the dependent origination that you're aware of what's coming and what's going. More? This is what we're doing when we sit down, hold still, look at the wall and do it hours on end. You're actually training yourself to slow down and just watch what ha what's happening. Just watch what's moving. Uh, that's, this is why I don't, even though I taught it for many, many years, I don't teach people to try to become mindful or you know, follow the breath so they become more mindful. Just to uh, I'm not saying it isn't people shouldn't do that. If you have a teacher who's teaching you that, then do that. Listen to me. If you're listening to me, I say, sit down, hold still, radical. Just watch what moves. And each person will have a different kind of uh, experience or uh, understanding of what that is. And with some people uh, that I've talked to, it becomes actually a little easier to do that rather than following the breath. And some people it's more difficult, but they're more... Uh, it seems more important to do it that way. So it, it varies. And the people that don't want to do that, I don't hear from them again. They go away. So by doing that, you might find yourself just naturally or spontaneously just eliminating certain things without some kind of thought about that's bad for me and you need to stop doing that. So this is good. This is bad. And again, it's not that relative truth doesn't work. Relatively, it's fantastic. But relatively, that's why we might end up destroying the planet because we're ignoring the very relative situation that's so obvious oh global warming trying to switch over to stuff like cow farts are polluting our atmosphere I'm being a little silly but there are people who say that it's an astonishing thing when compared between a cow and the exhaust of a tractor trailer yes Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, what is pointing out bowing? So this is a conventional way that the teaching person, especially in the, it happened in, uh, in other traditions too, but in the Zen or in the Tibetan tradition, the, the teacher or the guru, uh, the, uh, whoever it was, would, the teaching person would, would directly point out the nature of reality to the student if they're ready. If they're ready for that, you can't just say everything is dependently risen. Well, that's what the Buddha did. But look, it's still with us. That teaching is still here. But you have to see that directly. 
And the way in which that's seen directly is to see the way you keep covering things up. You have to look at the at all the quilts and the blankets and the canvas uh, uh, stretchers and cement blocks and lumber that's on top of reality. And those are your ideas, your opinions, your judgments, your evaluations, what you think of your neighbor, what you think of yourself. The addition, what you think of something. I think this about that. Lots of addition and subtraction going on there. And so we need to simplify that situation. And then if we simplify it and we come and we actually observe what the teaching person is doing, what their functioning might be uh, pointing out to you. They might actually respond to you or say something to you in a way that helps you uh, see see between uh, the the Venetian blinds of your ignorance, see see between the cracks or some light behind there. What 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 am I afraid of? Or you might say, why am I afraid? And those are circular. Even a what question there is circular. Michael Bowing. Yes, sir. How do we respect dependent origination? So an act an an action that you can take is uh, is to see the way you keep uh, concluding and and doing away with the truth of the Buddha's direct pointing. Everything is dependently arisen. No thing comes from its own side as a, as a separation, separate identity or person. It's, it is an illusion. And the whole 10,000 things or billions of things are not other. And so you could begin to see the way you keep covering that up when you talk to your wife or when you uh, watch the television, when you watch CNN, or when you talk to uh, Dharma brothers and sisters or in people in your family, to watch the way you cover up. It's not so much trying to not cover up, all that can come into it also. But first you have to see very clearly the way in which you keep turning away from something that is frightening or challenging. Or it may have even more armor on that, uh, on it than that. It may just look like, well, that's wrong. I'm not going there. Well, I don't know. I don't know why the hell they're doing that. Having these little mini conversations with ourselves about that, about that, about that. And relatively, of course, it's accurate. Relatively, it's extremely accurate. But if you join into that and try to fix that, repair that, go against that, march against it, march for it, or do anything with it, you participate in the fundamental disturbance called samsara, the belief in an actual lifetime that goes on. And we're not going to die that. we got some time yet. We're not going to die. Yeah, we will. We just had a very good friend in our sangha die way early. The total surprise. Just suddenly, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Massive heart attack. Death comes without warning. It's not a threat. It's just the truth. So find out before this body-mind complex that we call me, me and my stuff, my ideas, my opinions, my beliefs, my disbeliefs, my irritation with the next door neighbor, their irritation with me. Before we conclude something about that, we've got to do that. We've got to do something else. Do less and do that, that uh, uh, the 
the profound and gentle and noble form of doing less. Sit down, hold still, respect dependent origination as it shows up in your own mind by don't push it, don't pull it, don't shut down on it, just observe what comes and goes until you see the truth yourself. I'm just here to badger you about it. <laughs> you could say, well, are you pointing out? I don't know why am I not? I mean, I can just say, there isn't anything else. You're looking at yourself. I've tried this several times. Years ago, I used to say, I guess I used to say, I don't see anything else. I just see myself everywhere. Didn't I say that? I stopped saying that because then I got a really bunch of really bad letters telling me how I'm transcendentally narcissistic. Narcissistic. Remember those letters? That's because I'm lying. <laughs> if you see what the truth is, you can never lie. And yet every word out of your mouth is a lie because it's dependently arisen. Liberate yourself. How do you do that? See the chains. See, see with, with uh, whoever it is here, any, I can name any one of you, uh, Kevin or uh, uh, Yume or uh, Julie or anyone here. See, your particular way of shutting down is going to be completely unique. That's why it's, that's why you're just, as they say, one shoe fits all kind of thing. You can't do that. Uh, in ancient times, this is how they would do it. Everybody has to do this. Everybody does chicken taza or everybody does zazan or everybody, everybody, everybody. does it the same. Everybody does the same uh, um, uh, nundro practice or uh, sadhana practice. have to do that a little bit, but at some point it becomes extremely personal. The personal part is uh, facing the wall. So when teaching out of realization, to go back to the title of what I was using is teaching out of realization. You don't know what, you don't know anything. You don't know what you know. You're not, when this began to start showing up in this uh, uh, situation here, it was, it was terrifying to me. Still is somewhat. I'm kind of getting used to being terrified. Especially uh, getting used to being terrified when there's nobody terrified. There's just terror. If you think all those negative feelings are going away, I have a big surprise for you. It's not even a surprise because I'm telling you. When you open that package, there's nothing in it, and that's scary. <laughs> nothing in it. It's got beautiful wrappings. Uh, some of them even have little smiley faces on them, stickers. Open it. That's what you're doing. You sit down um, in front of the wall hold still, and with the inspiration of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and this incredible 2,500-year-old family, you do this together. This doesn't mean you're doing it like you're doing it in Detroit or like you're, they're doing it in Nepal, or you don't have to be correct. You just need to have those three, the a particular teacher and the teaching of the Buddha's Dharma. Sit down, hold still, find out who you are. Don't settle. This doesn't mean you have to meditate all day long every day, but you might have to meditate more than you're meditating now, perhaps. Question from Jeremy in Portland. Yes, you're next. <laughs> Go ahead. Jeremy. Is cognitive dissonance a good thing? Mm, let's see. What is cognitive dissonance? I don't know what that is. No, no, no. 
cognitive? Does that just mean that your cognition is dissonating <laughs> or dissonification? Dissonification and ning, 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 ning. Ting. Your, all of your ideas about right, wrong, up, down, back, and forth, cognitive, cognitive, un, cognition, cognition. Okay, got it. Um, is it what? A good thing. Yeah. If you see it, if you don't see it, not so good, then the neighbors don't like you because you're cognitively dissonant, dissonating. But if you see that there's some kind of disruption in that, in the scrim of your mind, your, the continuity that you've created as me and my life and my thing, my education, my family, the good things that are happening in, with my brother and the, the difficulty I'm having with uh, finding somebody who can repair uh, the garage roof and actually stand behind their work. It's just on and on and on. It's all about awareness. It's never about a conclusion. If you see what this is, there's nothing to conclude. That's why it's so damn disappointing. You actually are not separate. It's not some kind of fancy woo-woo feeling. I feel so at one with everything. I'm not talking about that kind of baloney. That being said, it doesn't mean that you won't actually resonate and see how incredibly not separate everything is. This is called the spiritual path. And realization right now is the realization when the body-mind drops, the same realization is there. You can't lose what you are. You can only cover it up with Relative truth, lies, hope and fear, hope and fear, cover it up, cover it up, cover it up from lifetime after lifetime. Don't believe anything I'm saying. Nothing is required. Further questions? Jason Bowling. Go ahead, Jason. Um, are, okay, as humans, are we all uh, teachers to others? like at all times? Well, if you have to have a student. <laughs> so if someone becomes your, uh, treats whatever you're doing, no matter how uh, horrible a husband or a wife or a friend or a, a neighbor or a parent you are, if that person, no matter what you're doing, if they can be a student to that, then, then uh, it's a relative situation, then you're a teacher. So if you're a student, if you be, just become a student all the time, then yes, the whole world is your teacher. But you may have to actually meet a physical, human, warm-blooded teacher face-to-face -face before that person can introduce you to the world as your teacher. You have, you have to see that. You have to see it. But you can't just suddenly, intellectually, conceptually, well, I think I'll just make everything my teacher. I know I'll just be a student 24-7. And I'll... And I'll I'll actually tell people, everything is my teacher. You're my teacher. This is baloney. Don't do that. Just receive. You, you may not even call yourself a student. You may not call anything your teacher. You have to be very careful of naming and positioning. So, oh, well, the whole, I've had people come to me and say, even tell me. <laughs> they don't have to tell me. I can see it. You know, the whole world is my teacher. I say, great. Go for it. Get out there and learn. This is when they when they tell me that they don't really want me for a teacher. They say, you know, I think I'm fine. I think I can study the whole, I know I don't need a teacher. I don't disagree with them. Yeah, go do that then. I might say if we got in a conversation, 
one might say that's not something I could do. I was certainly trying when I was 30 years old. Further questions? Right. Um, yesterday you gave meditation instructions um, just before we sat. Yes. Um, and I can't remember what you said. Pretty simple, whatever it was. But it seemed different to me. Um, and part of it was that you said to sit in our natural state or yeah. something along that line. Yeah. What do you mean by natural state? Nothing much. You just sit down. It was a, the, the instruction was given to people and there, there wasn't a lot of time. I didn't want to use up a lot of time. So I think I said, uh, uh, neither lead nor follow it comes from the sadhana of Mahamudra. And I, I changed the wording a little bit. Not de not deliberately. I just that's just what I said. So I just know that some of that came from Sadna, Trungpa Sadna Mahamudra. So neither neither lead nor follow. Just remain in your natural state. And then I think the phrase in the Sadna Mahamudra after that, which I did not say, and reach the liberation of Dharmakaya, because that's a little bit too conceptual for what we're doing. Just sit, hold still. Just sit here naturally. If it sucks, that's natural. If it feels good, that's natural. If it feels sleepy, that's natural. Correct nothing. Observe or receive anything that's happening. Whatever happens here on the wall, in your mind stream, and any additions to it of trying to get away from it, include that. That is the natural state. More. Junchu. Go ahead, Junchu. I'll go to Yu Hong in a minute. Another question from Robert. Better be a good one, Robert. Can one's own relationships with their intuition lead to a texture of seeing counter intuition? Is there a texture to be observed? The only texture I would like you to observe, uh, since you're asking me questions, is the wall. Sit down, look at the wall, just receive. Don't get into the conceptual idea. Is there a texture that happens to be a texture that is, is texturalized in this and this? Don't, don't do it to yourself. You're al you already have enough. I know you well enough to know that you're already lost in your conceptual mind. It's not a criticism. I'm not saying, oh, what a bad person. We're all lost in our conceptual mind in different ways. And your particular uh, dynamic is trying to figure things out. It's not wrong. It's just you're not going to be able to figure this out. You can't do it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't study it and be aware of how you can't figure this out. That's awareness. That's when the ego mind starts to collapse and come apart. But you have to do a lot of it. You have to study a lot. You have to be around other people who are studying this that are not wired the way you are, that give you a hard time just by their presence. Have you noticed? And also have to have a teacher. As far as I can see, I, I certainly couldn't have done anything without a teacher. I wouldn't be here without Dharma teachers. So less is better. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall. Do a lot of it. Go ahead, Yuhong. Yuhong Bai, should we have a way to look at your situational teachings? What? Could you repeat that a little louder, Yuhong? Sure. Should we have a mid way to look at your situational teachings? 
Did you say midway? Yes. I'm, I'm not, I don't think I understand uh, what it is that you want to know about midway to look at. What you know? I mean is not uh, conclude, not between oh. the two. Yeah, yeah. Don't just note here, here again. It's not a. So just notice that you conclude. Notice that you exclude. Just be aware. Just be aware. Be aware. Just sit down. Use the body as your anchor. Earth, earth, gravitas, gravity, clothing, eyeballs, ears. This is an astonishing situation if you see what it is. This is very temporary. I'm not saying it won't last, well, in my case, 80 years, but that even that's temporary. But just observe what moves. You might even notice that you what is moving is trying to figure out what the midway point is or the halfway point, understanding my teachings. You might be thinking about that. You're come up with a question, just observe. Don't conclude, don't, cal don't calculate, don't figure it out. Just receive the teachings. If you read, uh, if you uh, study uh, the 30 verses of Asabandhu, I mean, that's, try to conclude, try to figure that out. I mean, it's people, we have, we have a whole class on it, I think we're studying Asabandhu, very difficult. Yet there's something about that teaching that keeps sparking some aspect of the consciousness that is very lonely. And wants to know what this is. Sometimes this is called inspiration. Sometimes it is called a bodhicitta or the mind of a uh, mind of awakening, where you hear a teaching, you don't understand what it is, but it's reaching some quality in your consciousness that is saying, "I've got to know more about this. I have to know more about what what does this mean? Everything is dependent on the arisen. What if, what does it mean that everything you see is not separate from that which is seeing it? Subject, object, simply put, not separate, separated." totally separated, but ego uses that separation to try to get some kind of control or some kind of dominance over something else. Safety, a relative kind of safety, not ultimate safety. I can tell you what ultimate safety is. Ready? Nothing is threatened. That's ultimate. See that, see that who you actually are can't be harmed. I'm not saying your arm can't be chopped off, that you can't have intense pain, of course, there's nerve endings. But there's no one there. There's just the difficulty, just the difficulty, not separate. You can bow in. You, yes. you say just receive. Is there an attitude of just receiving? I think we do that a little bit. When we see something coming our way, we might we might notice that we're having a difficult time with it, and we might comment to ourselves in our mind stream say i'm just going to receive that i'll do the best i can to just receive and not add any even though i feel kind of impulsive to add on a bunch of ideas i think you can do that i think you can i wouldn't turn it into some kind of a positionality but you could do it on the spot in the in the situation you're in situationally you notice something's coming your way that you're not you don't really want to receive this you'd rather you know rather go to the dentist but, you know, but you just do it anyway. You could actually, one of the ways to do this on the, the Bodhisattva path is to be with all things, to save all beings. You might, the, the difficult situations coming your way, you might be able to, in your, in your life, you don't have to formally take Bodhisattva vows necessarily. But you might just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this situation the benefit of the doubt, even though it looks like crap and I don't want to be here and I, and I have something else I could, I could easily just say, well, I got something else to do. 
and I could get out of here. But instead, you you don't stay there and take it as some kind of punishment or some kind of proof that you're you're some kind of a saint or something because you're going along with this uh, person's uh, diatribe. But you might might do a little bit of that. You don't have to overdose on it. You can, if somebody's difficult, you don't want to deal with it, and you're trying to just receive. You can do a little bit, receive for three or four minutes, and then hit the road. So that actually you've, you've not left it completely. And you're not also joined it to be some, become some kind of a martyr where at least you're getting uh, up, up credits because you've stuck with a very negative situation. Ego is looking for that kind of uh, uh, credential. It's looking for the credential that it's really disciplined and really stays with things so that it can be slightly above everybody else, more disciplined than others, more compassionate, more, 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 more. Did we create an ego? Did we create an ego? Yeah. Yes. And how do I see that that is not separate from enlightenment? Just look, very good question. I like that. Just look at it. Look at the, the, the lie until you see it's the truth. Look at the lie that I'm somebody until you see that's the truth. You ask me a simple question, I can respond very directly because I know you can't ask that question unless you're ready to hear that. I'm not saying everybody else is ready to hear that. I'm not saying that everyone else actually heard that response in the way you did, but you asked the question and it's a good one. Just look at the ego, don't get rid of anything. You don't want to get rid of the of the very nature of wisdom, which is ego. Sure. Sure. Are we doing something with the ego that makes it other than wisdom? Yeah, we're we're feeding it, we're fueling it with passion, aggression, ignorance, up, down, right, wrong, should be, shouldn't be, they shouldn't, they shouldn't. Just observing it, you're not doing anything with it. You're looking, you're just looking into the fire pit. You're just looking into the, into the mask. You're just looking into the terrifying aspect. Because if you look at ego, eventually you see the, that which is so afraid of losing, of so afraid of non-existence. Who you are can't, who you actually are is not threatened, as I said earlier. And it's, I'm not the first one to say that. It's just a convenient way of saying not separate. There's no, there's no separate being anywhere. You don't have to believe that. Believing that is uh, not such a good idea. Don't believe anything. Don't disbelieve anything. Don't ignore anything. You can do this. If you're listening, if you're listening, if you're still, if you haven't left yet, which some people do, some people come on, uh, 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 I'm going to go back and listen to a Pema Chodron or Kondor Rinpoche or, or whomever. I mean, I could go on, down the Dalai Lama. Please do that. Maybe they make more sense than I do. I don't want hundreds and thousands of students. I don't really want any students. Does that hurt your feelings? <laughs> but if you come and you give me permission, I'll, I'll try to support your awareness practice. So Karen Bowing. So Karen. Can a monk be transmitted that hasn't realized? Yeah. Yeah, if you waited for everybody to be realized, then 
you know, you wouldn't be transmitting very many people. So, so Greg, yeah, go ahead, please. Go ahead. So what, are, what are the qualities of a transmitted monk that isn't realized? Very good question. Uh, there's several ways of saying that, and it would be different with each person. But uh, someone who someone who understands what they know relatively and what they don't know relatively, what they know ultimately, what they don't know ultimately, and also somebody who is never mean to anyone, never never blames anyone for their emotions, their feelings. If I see one, uh, uh, someone who's a student of mine who is a monk who is blaming others for how they feel, I don't care. I don't even care if they're correct. Because that's the whole seduction of, we have it all the time. We have people here in this monastery. We all know there's not very many of us here. It's like there's thousands of people here. Like the, the Buddha had to deal with, you know, 10,000 teenagers. Poor Buddha. <laughs> poor, poor Buddha. But the Buddha, Buddha worked with that because he had Ananda and Mahamadgalyayana, and he would send those guys out to deal with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> So, and also before you could hear the Buddha, you had to you had to circumambulate the Buddha, I don't know how many, three times, something like that, before you even took a seat. That gave him time to think about what he should say. <laughs> I'm being silly, but I'm just saying, coming back to your question, so Grand, no, it's, it, that's, that's for me, that's the, and anyone who's here as a transmitted priest knows about that or has a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about. You can't, can't, can't blame anyone. I'm not saying you couldn't say, point out that this person got in the way of this and this is why this is happening. But if you're blaming anybody, if you're a, 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 a novice monk, which is someone who's not transmitted, if you're a novice monk, blaming anybody for anything, anything. I'm not saying you can't just point out something. They did this and they did, you know, I was going to do this, but um, um, I can use some kind of, epithet or something about somebody. I'm not saying you can never swear or you can't ever be irritated with somebody. Of course. It's a big difference between that and actually thinking that other people are causing your emotions. Nobody's dumping emotions into any of you. Those are your emotions that get triggered by uh, so-called external world. It happens all the time. People live their whole life fighting with their mate. I know. I've fought with my mates. I had a bunch of them. I needed that kind of training or I wouldn't be here telling you anything. Yes. How do we know if we're blaming someone? If you think they cause your, how you're feeling, if that's the cause of your feeling that. Relatively it is. It may have the trigger. It may have lots of, I mean, if somebody comes up and hits you with a club, well, yeah, they caused it. But I would say get away from that club, but rather than think there's some kind of evil thing happening there. No, it's dependently arisen. And so that person who's who's getting rid of their anger or their frustration by hitting you uh, is relatively sure there. We have to deal with that, but we can deal with it other than just, you know, club, clubbing them back or stabbing them or, or you know, calling the police. Might have to call the police. These days, it's not a good idea to call the police. Might want to just, you know, call somebody else, call them, at least the way it looks now. More? Yeah, go ahead. I just noticed that I may not be saying, I may not have the story that someone else is causing, 
my pain, but it still feels like I'm blaming them. And I'm just really confused about that. You just, you're doing fine. Just keep going. You're living a monastery. Just keep going. There's lots of practices to do here. There are people here that are all working on their minds as best they can. I don't have a single person here that isn't completely sincere about what they're doing, including you. That doesn't mean that, you know, it's all, it's easy. You just have to do it anyway. It's, it's difficult. We do it together. It's a community. Nothing is separate from anything else. That doesn't mean that I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to tell me what to do. A hierarchy is much different here than it is in the macho uh, patriarchal situation of past uh, sanghas. More? You You say, don't blame anyone. Is is the intent? Is the intendancy? I cannot talk. Is the intention or tendency to blame without acting and responding blaming to? Yeah, very good. <laughs> I like that. Very good question, Yuhang. Yes, it's just that here's the here's the the follow up to that. That is, you don't have to change that. That's a misunderstanding, trying to don't improve, just be aware of it. And then because of the very nature of dependent origination, that will not get any fuel by being pushed on. It will not get, be, get any fuel by being substantiated or agreed with. And it won't get any fuel by you distracting yourself or turning away the three poisons. And you will your own awareness will burn right into that so that it, it can't continue. That doesn't mean it won't continue for three months, six months, 18 years. But you have to start somewhere. Start now. We've all been here forever. Here we are again. We're back again. Back, back again. Yes, sir. In response to Sukran's question around um, transmitting someone who's not yeah, You're not getting transmitted. That's what you're going to ask. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, <laughs> you helped him out. Sukran. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Um, does that distinction for, between what you know and what you don't know still show up for you? You're getting pretty nosy there. A distinction still, still show up. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Fundamentally, come and get me. You don't, you don't get, let me get away with that. If, if that distinction is not clear to us, how can we see um, what we know and what we don't know. Practice, practice. You, it, it, you won't, there won't be a boundary where suddenly you think, now I know. No, you, you'll just be aware of that. You just be aware that, of what you know and what you don't know. And you won't necessarily jump to conclusions. This doesn't mean that you don't see that somebody is causing you frustration or difficulty, but you don't, don't win and uh, chew a hole in the carpeting because of it. You don't overreact over it. You just you'll relate to it where it's at. And then you'll notice if you relate to it where it's at, it starts to die down more. If, if we see that distinction, can we not use those as a position? Say more. It seems like we can conclude that we know some things and don't know other things. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if, if there's a need to move through that. I would say just keep looking at it. Not much you can do about it. 
you're already uh, doing, uh, you're a monk, you live in a monastery, you practice the forms, you practice with the other people, other monks in the monastery and other practice residents and so on. Just continue to do that. You're a young guy. What are you, 15? No, you're, no, you're in your 20s somewhere. Older? A little bit. 31. I didn't forget how old you are. But I didn't miss your birthday, didn't I? Did I? Uh, Sokaran, that was a good uh, question. Do you have another question to take us further into that? Sokaran bowing, does realization occur in pieces? Bowing. Uh, it, it can look like that, but actually it doesn't. It can look like that because things look like pieces. But fundamentally, it's just you, you already realized, every one of you, you just covered up. You're just... I'm not saying you feel terrified, but I'm saying I'm looking at the Buddha all the time. I couldn't teach if I was see, saw a bunch of confused people. And I also couldn't teach unless I saw a bunch of confused people. It's not too, non-duality is not some kind of a makeshift idea about some fancy philosophy from Eastern religion. There are not two separate things anywhere. They're separated, incredibly separated, into the separation is just too much. I say sometimes you go out and look at the sky, look at the separation. Stars everywhere. Yes, sir. Sure, um, does non-duality mean that things lose their vagueness? Yeah, so non-duality, things losing their vagueness. Uh, uh, I could say yes, but it might be better to say things that the apparent separation of things becomes more crisp and more well-defined. You can see more clearly the boundaries between apparent separations. This is called respect. You respect the boundaries, the natural boundaries. And because you are no longer plagued by mukegeko or the walls of the mind that's mentioned in the heart sutra, no longer prevented from seeing, uh, the profound, uh, profound and deep and vast nature of reality. Do those walls, if we're practicing and doing as much as we can to practice, do those walls have to show up on their own time? Everything shows up on its own time, except the subway. The subway follows its schedule. Doesn't it, Oolong? No. Oh, I was wrong about that. You have to check with people who use some, basically. More about that? Go ahead. How do we work with like a teaching, like practice like your hair's on fire when it doesn't seem like we can do anything more about seeing what's the truth? Yeah, that doesn't mean a panic about it. It just means be... Be consistent about it. Notice that you're able to forget uh, because we're grasping at this and pushing at that. We're able to dismiss dependent origination. We're able to dismiss impermanence as not really applying to us. Sometimes people even say, well, we all have to die sometime. You know, you know <laughs> you're dying now. Die now. Always die now. Death comes without warning. 
that's what that is about to see that this is it's imminent death is imminent this doesn't mean it might not be around for a while of course the relative part is of course going to be there but to, to realize that everything is showing up is going away everything that shows up goes away Uh, how do we practice like our hair's on fire with patience? Yeah, that's how you do it. You just do it. That's what this is for. That's what this coming on the screen and talking to people is to encourage people wherever you're at. It might not live in a monastery, but you can set up uh, something where you have a regular ongoing practice where you don't not worshiping the Buddha. We're not, we don't, Buddha doesn't need that. No one does. But you could sit down just be respectful to your own mind stream. Watch what moves in the mind. Don't shut it down. Don't open it up. Don't shut. Don't do anything with it. Just observe. And the little bit of control you have is holding the body symmetrical. So it's symmetrically, body mind are not two different things. They just look like it. You can't find the mind. So sit up. Hold still. And if you can't sit symmetrical, uh, if you bend over, some people have a different posture than other people do. Don't worry about that. Stillness is important. Not, I, I will never come into the Zendo and correct anybody's posture. And if you're laying down, I might say you might want to go to bed. But I won't say that. I'm not going to correct you. Everyone's body is different. Julie Bowing. Um, since death comes without warning, what happens if, if we're practicing and training our minds, but we pass from this lifetime before we've seen our true nature? Uh, well, it's hard to say, but the causes and conditions that even brought you into this uh, particular area where you're, you're beginning to practice, something has begun to happen already. You're, you're already starting to look deeper into your consciousness. If you're doing sitting meditation, whether you're, uh, you know, you're talking to me a little bit. We've talked a little bit in the past, and you recently come on uh, to uh, Open Heart, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. So we just go from here. Uh, so, but everyone is, uh, everyone is different. If you're doing any kind of practice at all, and you pass, uh, you pass away, just like uh, our friend Mike Young did. He'd only practiced for a couple of years, but he uh, hadn't attained a final realization or anything but he was, he was pretty clear about what life was about he had a much better understanding from the couple of years that he uh, practiced uh chicken taza and uh and pat he was about 60 years old wasn't very old had a massive heart attack we miss him would have liked to uh see more of him so but he's okay he's uh uh believe it or not we're in touch with him <laughs> so I uh, don't believe anything I say. Don't believe it. So you, you're going to be okay, Julie, especially you, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you, you, have a, you have a further question about that, Julie? It's a good question, but I feel like there might be something else. If we, if we take vows, do they follow you um, after passing? Probably. And there's no guarantee, but if you know what the vow is, you don't, you don't need a guarantee. And you also don't need to take vows. That, that's up to you. I won't allow somebody to come and take vows just on 
I think maybe I ought to take vows. I've had people ask, should I take vows? I say, you want to? And they say, not really. I say, well, don't. Don't take vows. Don't receive vows. Don't practice vows. Just do it without that if you want to. Sometimes taking vows looks too much like joining a club or, you know, aligning yourself with some kind of crazy organization or cult or something like that. So there isn't anyone in our organization that's received vows that has been badgered into it or tried to, or promised anything. So there's a good chance that if you're on this screen and you're listening to me, you've already taken vows somewhere. Maybe not, maybe not in this particular time frame, but you you probably have taken them. This takes a long time. Thank you, Danny. YouTube. A question from YouTube. I don't remember their name, but their username is Spool String. Spool String? Well, it sounds like a weaver. Isn't that a, a group back in the 60s? Weavers? Yeah. No. no, go ahead, Spool String. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what your name means. Go ahead. Within passion, aggression, and ignorance. Yes. Is the ignorance, the division of passion and aggression, being that nothing is separate? Read that again. Within passion, aggression, and ignorance, is the ignorance, the division of passion and aggression, being that nothing is separate? It could show up that way, but it, but it, nothing lasts in that area, so it doesn't stabilize. But it can show up that so that it aligns with the conceptual uh, way in which you're asking the question. It can align, but there's no safety there for one who is trying to get away from passion, trying to get away from aggression by stabilizing in ignorance. And I know you're not asking me that, but I'm telling you that. And I don't have anybody, anybody else to glare at, but Junju, so she's the one I'm glaring at. <laughs> she's used to it. Jason Bowing. Go ahead, Jason. Um, earlier, you said that when we're in the Sangha, we should pay a special attention to those who we do not like or think that are particularly good Sangha members. Um, I'm expanding on that. What can we learn from those that we aren't naturally attracted to in some way. So I think the, the way in which I'm addressing that is to say that if you're around uh, someone and you're practicing uh, training your mind to see clearly, uh, working with your own passion, aggression, ignorance, your own jelly, jealousy, your own difficulties, and you're around someone else who tends to trigger some of that, then uh, uh, Sangha-wise, in the Sangha situation, that person's attitude, they might even have the same teacher you have, and they're in the same community. So it might be better that that person is triggering that so that you can see that uh, they're probably, get, you can give them maybe more the benefit of the doubt than you could uh, somebody down the road who has no practice at all. Here's a person that is at least practicing. So you, know, so you have a little bit, and of course that's not gonna solve it particularly. They might still be uh, difficult, but you have a little bit to work with. There's a little bit more, uh, it's a little bit more spacious there. So that's sometimes we say uh, that, that the Sangha member can be function as a teacher for you. It's not that they feel like they're teaching you something, 
but you can learn something maybe that the way that person kind of triggers your emotional reaction to, to be uh, just maybe offended by them or irritated by their, uh, the way they know everything or they seem to be um, you know, grouchy or whatever it may be. I mean, I could go on and on and characterize different things that are negative, but I think that's what it's about. There is. Does that help uh, a little bit? It it definitely helps, and for the most part, it makes sense. But is there a difference? Are you saying that we should only do that kind of in the sangha, or should we just do that anytime we notice those reactions in life in general? And, of yeah. course, if you can do it, yeah, that would be. Yeah, you do it with anyone. Just see just see when when you're with anyone whatever whether they have mind training or not and just see how you're don't like them or you're reactive to how they're acting or something you could i sometimes say don't overdose on it but you could you could stay with it a little bit just to see if is that emotion you're having around that uh is is there something they're doing that's triggering that or is this some emotion that is that is caused or triggered by other situations is this a this emotional dynamic that is uh causes some kind of uh a reaction towards another person's uh, style or energy or uh, apparent confusion. Um, you know, you can, you can look at that and see if you look at it without doing anything with it, you, it, it's like not, maybe not, there's no guarantee of it. It's like, you'll begin to see that the reason they're acting that way is they're trying to get rid of their suffering and they, and you just look like a dumping ground. So they trigger your negative feelings and so on. I think it's a, uh, uh, Jason, I think it's very complicated, and it's, and this is why I would always return to just train the mind, train the mind, and so that when you get off the cushion in what we commonly call post meditation, then you're you're more likely going to be on receive because you just practice receiving your own thought patterns for 20 minutes, an hour, two hours, four hours, or whatever it may be, and you're you're practicing doing that if you're following my uh, recommendation, and you. But there's no there's no identity that's getting a credential for that. So you may not feel like you're doing any better. You might feel maybe worse because you're just tired of meditating, so tired of looking at your own mind stream. But when you interact with others, your awareness of their difficulty looks stronger. Some people, as you meditate, look like they're not so difficult as you thought they were. However, your mind might be a lot more crispy and crunchy than it was before, because now you're actually looking at the crap you've been successful at avoiding for the last 20, 30 years. So now you're starting to look, you're starting to be what responsible for what arises in the mind stream. This doesn't mean you're to blame. Responsibility means that you are able to respond to whatever occurs. And that response may be, uh, as far as I understand, maybe just, just seeing it, just receiving it, just not, nope, not blocking it out not blaming anyone for it, responsible. I'll take one more question and then Uno, uh, I think she's got a date somewhere. We have an interview in 15 minutes. I have an interview in 15 minutes? Is it with a Pope? I don't think that's the one on the list. Okay, it's not with the Pope. Not making fun of the Pope, <laughs> I love the Pope. So uh, one more question. Is there one out there in uh, that place? The internet? Okay, go ahead and close.
Made merit of this penetrate into all places, so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.